This podcast is brought to you by Comedy Central's Roast Battle. What's a roast battle? Just imagine the perfect combination of stand-up comedy, rap battles, and professional wrestling all in one place. Join Brian Moses and DJ Coach T for Roast Battle, the podcast, as they bring you weekly live battles from the world-famous comedy store in Hollywood, as well as behind-the-scenes interviews with the industry's best comedians. You'll hear some insensitive jokes, some politically incorrect jokes, but every joke you hear comes from a place of love. So subscribe right now to Roast Battle for new episodes every Thursday in your podcast feed. Hey, Peckerheads, it's me, Peter Rosenberg, the most mage mage caster of them all. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion Mike Long. This is Scott Lastin. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You know what you're listening to. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I am your host, David Shoemaker, and on the Masked Man Hotline this week, my dear friend, my one-time replacement, and now uh, the Padawan has grown up and chopped the heads off of everybody in his way, uh, you know him formerly from Cheap Heat, now from CBS Sports, from the State of Combat podcast, from Showtime Boxing, and there's other stuff too. It's the Brian Campbell. How you doing, man? Oh, fired up, fired up, fast man, the maker of fine footwear. Anytime you <laughs> and I can have this weird quasi cheap heat reunion, I get, I get, I pop for this. Come on. Dude, I, uh, I've been trying to get you on here for a couple of weeks and, uh, just cause I wanted to talk and, you know, with the, in my wonderful nerdy life, the only way I get to hang out with my friends is by doing wrestling podcasts with them. Um, <laughs> ain't that the truth once the kids start popping out. So congratulations <laughs> yeah, on that, that too. You, you Thank have you very much. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very, very happy. Listen, I, I've been trying, like I said, I was trying to get you on for a few weeks, but this feels like I'm glad it, 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 it took this long because this is like the wildest week I can remember, um, especially on the road to WrestleMania, which in years past is always exciting as we see them sort of pinning down the matches and putting the card together and, and all that kind of stuff. But man, now I don't know what the hell's going on, and there's something kind of uh, kind of exciting about all that. Well, that's, that's funny because I don't think Vince McMahon knows what the hell's going on either. David, so it's, yeah. it kind of kind of works. Well, let's start with the big picture then, because we're going to talk about Kofi Kingston, obviously, and his big his big performance on Sunday and Tuesday night. We're going to talk about the NXT call ups on Raw and SmackDown, um, and we're going to talk about the never ending amazingness of uh, Becky Lynch and the and the you know whatever the WrestleMania women's title match turns out to be. Um, but what do you think? What do you think is going on backstage at WWE right now? Do you think they're just trying to figure out what their best what their best moneymaker is for WrestleMania, or do you think it's a bigger a bigger sort of uh, quandary than that for them? You know, I thought I had it all figured out, and and look, you know, if we can go deeper on NXT later, if you want, but I thought I thought what we saw on Monday and Tuesday in this mock fake NXT announcement, I figured out. I thought I figured out the whole narrative of what we're doing, where we're going, why we're doing it, and then when you know. Geraldo showed up in Capone's vault and there's nothing in there on Wednesday night. Now I'm all confused again. So in terms of where we are in WrestleMania season and where it's going, 
I feel like they don't know where it's going, and it concerns me. Some of it is fun. Some of it is exciting. Obviously, the Becky Lynch stuff, the Kofi stuff is as fresh and exciting. The new Daniel Bryan as anything where, you know, on some of these levels, we don't know who they're going to face, and that's exciting. But it has been a weird ride since the Royal Rumble. Pretty weird before that, where anytime you get one or two great weeks back-to-back, and you're like, okay, now we're in the thick of it. Austin's forgiven. Then you get some curveball-style weeks. And, you know, it's making me fear that they just don't have the roadmap connected from Royal Rumble to Mania. That there's two pay-per-views instead of one this time, and maybe they got to a certain point where they panicked, and they don't know what they're doing. I mean, I guess I can try to write off this NXT business as an attempt to pop ratings, uh, an attempt to test the brand. I mean, there's a lot going on right now. And I think the big elephant in the room, and I have a, a split crowd on my own podcast of CBS Sports of people who are turning on me, the great baby face for this. <laughs> but I think a lot of this is connected to the looming cloud of AEW in a great way for fans. And I think it gets Vince out of bed in the morning, excited that there's real competition coming. I think it gets a lot of these WWE performers excited that there's more opportunities coming. And I would have thought it would get us hardcore fans excited that, look, you have to put your best foot forward when there's real competition. We would, we lived through the late 90s. That's why it was so good. And there's a lot of decisions being made in WWE right now that are affected to the road to WrestleMania that also, to me, feel like they're, they're, they're connected to the idea that competition's coming and we need to compete. And that part of it, Dave, is firing me up. But the confusion that comes with that, what, where are we right now? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, if I had to totally hazard a guess, and I haven't talked to anybody back there, I think that you're right. I think that there's a lot of urgency. There's a sense of urgency, and there's a sense of, you know, of trying to put the best foot forward, all that kind of stuff. I think that, I think that there's probably that, you know, if that Vince, you know, is obviously the decider, and I think that he's probably trying to figure out who is, who he needs, who he needs to have in his ear. And obviously, Triple H is there. Um, and we've seen, you know, a lot of his fingerprints all over what's going on. Um, and, and, and we've, and, but, but also, but, you know, there's, there's going to be, there's, I guess there's just this, this question is, you know, is it, is it going to be Triple H sort of taking that Vince Russo and the Attitude Era role? Or if, if there's going to be, you know, there's got to be other people talking to him. You know, I mean, there's writers, Triple H isn't working creative still, you know, and there's, there's, there, there, there's a story that leaked out this week. Who knows if it's true that that they did a bunch of rewrites the day of Raw, like big time stuff. And the Triple H, for one, kind of jumped in and they were going to do Ricochet versus Finn on Raw. But he said, no, let's not give that away until we ended up getting what we got. Um, I think that there's I think they're just they must be trying to, you know, on some level trying to figure out who that who 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 on the WWE payroll is going to be perfectly geared to 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 take on AEW, you know? I mean, do you think that's part of it? I think that's a great part of it. I think that's a very sober take by you. It's sort of like, it's acknowledging that there's something else going on in the world that's really good, if not in some cases better than what WWE does. Not, and obviously never equal commercially. WWE is a commercial vehicle with a proven formula that gets giant ass TV deals and sells a lot of merch. So we're not competing with that. But the idea that critically there's something coming that could uh, wake up a lot of lapsed fans that aren't watching and haven't watched for years. I think that this is showing me that Vince is aware, he's ready, and yeah. yes, he's starting to talk with Trips and say, okay, that NXT thing you're doing, that thing that might actually be the best thing in all of wrestling that everyone keeps mm-hmm. whispering me about, uh, 
maybe we should take some of that and sprinkle that in the mix. Let's find out, like you sort of laid out, who are our, are we putting forth the best possible A-side performers on our promotion that will make people want to watch us over this new tiny, shiny toy yeah. that's going to be launched? And that's a great progressive thing to show me, because I think we get stuck a lot in this idea that Vince is still running the show. He still has the stamp at the end of the line, still make the big decisions, and that he misses a lot and that he doesn't necessarily know what he has under the hood there at NXT. And if only we can take that and bring that to the forefront, then to me, you know, and maybe I'm just a, a, a weathered smart fan who watches too much wrestling for my job and, and I, you know, and I'm too deep into it. But for me, that's the thing that's going to rebirth my heart. That's the, like, if I can see Raw and SmackDown, not just NXT, but Raw and SmackDown look and feel like NXT and look and feel like the three best nights a year of NJPW or look and feel like what all in felt like that wrestling is going to a hundred percent fulfill the, the legacy of the, of what this could be the third boom period in our lifetime. Then that fires me up, but I've got this fear shoe and I want to know because people don't look at me as a sober point of view. People look at me as a little too crazy sometimes, a little too excited about that other stuff going on in wrestling. Do you sure. have the fear I have that even though we're excited that Vince might be waking up? I mean, he just took four NXT superstars, pushed them to the damn forefront. Not only put them on a Super Bowl halftime show, pushed them to the forefront of Raw and SmackDown on two straight nights and gave them big wins over credible and if not champions of the main brand. Is it going to be Vince taking what we love about him and just repackaging them into a Raw SmackDown model? Or is Vince going to wake up and realize NXT and the spirit of NXT and the writing and the focus on storylines and wrestling is really where wrestling's going? So let's make Raw and SmackDown look like that. That's the real question. You're right. I mean, there are a lot of people kind of grousing on Monday night uh, that they were that, that it looked like they might just rerun. Um, the Gargano Champa angle that they've run on NXT from the start, just a complete do over on the main roster as if NXT doesn't really exist. And who knows if they'll do that? We have no way to, to, to guess. Um, but, but even if they did as, as, as sort of repetitive as that would be, at least that's some acknowledgement that they're doing something that works down there. I mean, I think that I, I again, haven't talked to anybody. I can guarantee I, I, I feel in my soul with a hundred percent certainty that this conversation has happened within the past two weeks where Vince in a, in a huff, said to everyone around him, why don't we have an AEW? Why would somebody bring me an AEW? This thing that everybody's talking about. And people around him said, you have an AEW. It's called NXT. <laughs> and it's been doing really well for a long time. And then Vince said, okay, well, give me some in Give me the good parts of NXT. And that's how we got to Monday night. Um, I'm going to circle there's back. There's a fear in that not working, though, Chew, because like, yeah. we love Champa and Gargano, but we love them because of the commitment to that story that is really yes. potentially one of the greatest stories ever told. And if that gets repackaged in a McDonald's Happy Meal toy, raw style, and suddenly they're going over Seamus and Cesaro in ways that physically don't really look that believable, and now they might be <laughs> faces again and not heels, you're going to ruin, Vince, what we loved originally about it. So can yeah. we do this, Chew, and tell me if there's any chance? Because Man, is it a fun time to be a fan. We just laid it out with the launch of AEW. And also, yeah. let's not forget, SmackDown going to Fox on live Friday night network television is going to be a big deal. And the fact that it's going to be a separate TV company, NBC Universal with Raw, Fox with SmackDown, that if you're Vince and people are saying, saying you, hey, Vince, AEW is coming. They're going to rise up like WCW. There's going to be real competition. And not only does Vince say, 
why can't I have my own AEW? Could Vince possibly say, why can't I have my own Monday Night Wars Attitude Era inside my own company? So can yeah. we just take what we love about NXT, the writing, the look, the appeal, all that, and put that on SmackDown on Friday nights? Or can yeah. we just take NXT and put that on FS1 on Tuesday nights? Can we do something where Vince is creating the kind of in-house competition? Because look, if you're an NBC executive and a Fox executive, don't you think you're looking at what the ratings are for the other show and saying, hey, Vince, can you up the creative here on Friday nights? Because Monday's yeah. ratings are, are way too high for us in this competition. Could there be some internal competition, David Shoemaker, that could make WWE fans, if you don't care about AEW, not even have to watch it because what's going on in-house is still red hot? Yeah, I mean, but we've, we've heard about this. I mean, we've talked about this on and off mics. We, I mean, we hear about this over and over again over the years. You know, the, the different creative teams take this stuff really seriously. They want to beat the other team. They, I mean, it's it is, they do have a sense of competition, good-natured. But you, as you said, Vince has the stamp, you know, and as long as he's still top-editing everything and making all these changes day of show, it's going to sort of regress to this mean. And it's just hard to imagine him relinquishing control in any, in any kind of substantive way, especially... You know, when we're talking about Monday Night Raw, which is, you know, his baby versus the biggest show they've produced in 15 years, which is going to be SmackDown on Fox. Now, who knows if it's, you know, going to seem like the A show ever, but that's a it's a really huge deal. I think what's interesting is you're, you're you know talking about the different networks commenting. The really interesting thing is going to be, well, if you look around now we're the, the brand split means less this week than it has since the brand split started. Right. I mean, we have all these NXT stars going back and forth. The women's, you know, uh, WrestleMania match is is show hopping. Um, you know, there, there's there's all kinds of of blurring of the lines, and but and yet we're we're moving towards a period where you would think those lines are going to be stronger than ever. Although, as you said, I mean, aren't the people on you know Fox and NBC going to say, "Give me all the stars, don't let them have the stars"? And and more than anything, the really interesting moment is going to be when something like Becky Lynch happens, when there's a real breakout moment for somebody. And Fox says, "No, you cannot share them with Monday Night Raw. Like we yeah. want exclusive, we want exclusive rights to what is happening right here." So I think there's going to be a lot of give and take because I think they're going to want all of this big, all of the biggest names on both shows. Um, I mean, and who knows what agreement they've already struck? That might be out the window already. But they they're going to want all the star power they can get. But they're going to be territorial about the stars that they make. And 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 even though it's not their creative, you know, it's their it's their time slot. It's their million, hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. So. That'll be that'll be intriguing, man. I hope that plays a big part. And you sort of just nailed it. If Vince is still the stamp at the end of the line, then all the food is going to eventually still taste like Vince. It's like you go on a cruise ship, right? First three days yeah. are unbelievable. Oh, my God, I can have two lobsters and steak at the same time. But by, like, day six, you're like, dude, that burger tastes exactly like the scrambled eggs this morning. So can we just realize, if we're WWE, how genius and amazing, you know, in trips we trust, how great Paul is and what he's done at NXT and say, not only we're going to do this, we're going to publicly do this. Vince still has Raw. He can book it in WWE main roster pro style, Raw and SmackDown. He can sell merch up the kazoo. But, Paul, you're getting SmackDown. And I don't know if that means it's going to look and taste and feel like NXT. But, Paul, we're going to book this differently. I know some people listen to this and they're going to say, hey, Campbell, Raw and SmackDown already do feel different. And that is true. But it still mm -hmm. tastes like Vince at the end of the day. What if we book it entirely different and we darken the arenas and we only go to really small arenas and we really do the things that people are catching feels on the indies about and catching feels when they watch NXT TakeOver, and then we let the public decide. And then you can have legitimate, real in-house competition where, like I just said before, AEW wouldn't even matter because 
NBC's trying to get bigger ratings than, than Fox, and Trips is trying to get control of the company, and whether you're a super mark who only likes the indie feel, or you're just old school who you just tune in every Monday night and see what they got going for you, it's finally two different products. I mean, I know yeah. that's the dream. The dream is to re- recreate the WCW-WWE battle. I think you can do it in-house, but you got to give Paul the wheel. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's true. And I think working out the logistics of how much they tour and, the, like you said, the arenas they run, I mean, that's that's going to be a big part of the conversation, too. Uh, as many times as I've tried to, you know, re- build a new WWE in theory and in columns that I've written and stuff like that and, and talking about, you know, an off season or guys taking time off and, you know, and, and what, and the, the, the show versus show competition, the creative teams, I always come back to like, do we, does this need to be a touring company at its core anymore? And the answer is like, of course it does, because they're never going to say, give away that money. I mean, the amount, just, just the, the baseline money that they make, even when the houses are half full, uh, is so important to them, but it would be really fun to see people, to see them running smaller venues and, and, and just, spicing things up. I mean, everybody who's listened to this has heard me say, and has probably experienced for themselves, just those weird NXT WrestleMania venues they used to run before they started going to the basketball arenas. You know, I mean, all of those in every indie show you've ever seen is always the best show you've ever seen for, you know, for a month because it just felt different, you know, just being in a different place. So it would be cool to try some different stuff. I want to get into the details of what some of these differences are before we uh, get too lost in the theoretical here. Um, you said, uh, you know, you, you talked about the Vince stamp. Um, one guy that, that we've heard Vince has a little, has a, has a, a glimmer in his eye for, uh, is Mustafa Ali. Now he was supposed to wrestle in the elimination chamber on Sunday. Couldn't, was pulled because of injuries. And then just like we've seen a million times, the accident ends up being the real, I mean, just the benefit of the show. Um, but it wasn't just because Kofi Kingston got the spot. It was because they went all in on Kofi Kingston. They, they allowed that accident to become the story of the show. They allowed Kofi's rise from nowhere, from, you know, from nowhere in the, in the match anyway, uh, to be the headline of, of the SmackDown brand. And now we've seen he, he was the last competitor, gave Daniel Bryan a run for his money on Sunday night. And on Tuesday, he got the pin on Daniel Bryan and is going to be taking on Bryan for the title at Fastlane, um, what I mean, what do you think? Is it should we? I mean, we we've all been clamoring for a, one of the New Day guys to get a singles run for for years. It feels like was it ever? Did it live up to all the all of your expectations? It, it totally exceeded it because I look. We all have our guys that we're you know that we fall for or guys we don't fall for. I mean, maybe that's the root and the seed of me always being an anti Bret Hart guy. That's I mean, he's still hat one half of the Hart Foundation. He's not a main eventer. He's not a champion. I mean, sometimes that happens. I've never been a Kofi guy from day one. I think he's great, but I don't think he's a, a singles main eventer. And I think in some ways he's the veteran weak link of this great New Day trio. I'm not saying that he's weak. I'm saying, if anything, he's the one that I least likely would have pushed into a solo run. Yet mm-hmm. now I am experiencing Kofi mania deep down in my loins, David, because they <laughs> fell into something organic and perfect and amazing and now I'm like, don't ruin it. Realize what you have. I say on my show every single week, white meat baby faces are dead. The last, the last white whale we ever saw was 2014 Daniel Bryan in New Orleans at WrestleMania, and he had to win two matches to get there. And it was the last time we'll ever see it because it was something so organic that wasn't supposed to happen, and the fans got behind it, and we know that whole story right there. I didn't think it could ever happen again. I Daniel Bryan... On the show we did, and, and, and my co-host asked him that question. 
because I don't think it could ever happen again. It just happened by accident with Kofi. And the cool part about it is it really coincides with what the other New Day members constantly say whenever they do public interviews. They're always talking up. We have this legend in our, in our group, Kofi Kingston, that deserves you know, another run and all this stuff. So to see that play out was perfect. Now, WWE, give the people what they want. Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you fall into it. And since it already seems, Dave, like they don't really know where they're going right now for WrestleMania plans, and we're having a hard time guessing compared to other years, can we play this out? Because Kofi alone, to me, at this point in his career, is not a B-side WrestleMania WWE Championship-worthy guy, but the New Day as a triumvirate certainly are. And we know that, you know, hey, we haven't had a black WWE champion in maybe ever or a long time. Can we play it out to a guy that the fans will pop for that deserves it? And then the, the, the ability to play off of Daniel Bryan's anti-materialism and all that and anti-gluttony stances opposite the New Day. And then could you actually have Kofi win? And could you mm-hmm. actually lead that to some sort of New Day implosion in which there's a triple threat match in which Big E ends up getting the championship, the guy that we want pushed anyway? I'm just telling you that the possibilities are now endless, and they solve all the categories. They solve the, the, the mindless marks who just want to buy T-shirts and want to pop for Kofi. They solve us hardcore fans who just want to see something fresh and pure and organic. They solve everything. Do it. You fell into it. Let's not have it end. It's scaring me. And it's ironic that Daniel Bryan's on the other side of this equation. Because, Dave, you remember 2015 when the crowd turned at the Royal Rumble on Reigns. And it wasn't Reigns' fault. It was WWE's fault for for not letting Bryan go deep in that match and not letting him win it. But then to appease the fans, they gave us Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns at Fastlane. Remember that? Great match. Mm -hmm. But but that was it. I, I know Daniel Bryan won the IC belt at Mania, but that was it. Don't just give us, we're happy to be here, Kofi, at Fastlane. Get Kofi to Mania. I'm not even a Kofi fan, Dave, but are you feeling? Are you? Can I put this syringe <laughs> into your veins? Are you feeling what I'm trying to shoot at you right now? This is fresh and real. This ain't microwave scripting. This is the real deal. The fans want this. Yeah, I, listen, I could not agree with you more. I mean, I've... I've... I've always thought that Kofi was the was was the guy in the group, and I, I mean, at least for that, at least I think that for what's going on now, this is the perfect kind of example of what I was talking about. He's the he's the way in, and I think that what you're just the the ideas that you're that you're spouting off about, you know, a triple threat matches, getting the other guys involved, having a little 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 tension within the group. I mean, playing with all that could be really fun, and it could and it could that could last till WrestleMania and beyond. And I'll tell you what, as you you've been to WrestleMania weekend a number of times. Uh, there's nothing like the exhaustion that comes with walking into SmackDown after you've been going to wrestling shows for it's what it seems like 18 days in a row. Um, and and as psyched as you are for WrestleMania to keep going, you know it's it, you know you're you're just waiting you just you're waiting for the big moments. If there's one storyline thing that I can imagine get, that would get me really really excited to go to the Barclays Center on Tuesday night, it would be a new day coronation ceremony. You know, I mean, it would be, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to toss out the, we're going to toss out the recycled belt and we're going to have a pancake belt or whatever it's going to be. Like it's like that, that moment uh, would be a perfect end to WrestleMania weekend. As much as it would be awesome to see Daniel Bryan, you know, in the ring spouting off and, and, and proclaiming himself champion. I mean, th- what a feel good moment that could be. And also Daniel Bryan, as great as he's been, as great as he's been as a heel, um, you know there is a sort of there is a sort of like limit to his 
to his grumpiness, right? Not not a limit. There, there's only so far you can take that when he's yelling at AJ Styles, you know, or yelling at or yelling at whoever the baby face du jour is. You can the idea of him like going out of his mind when he, when confronted with the new day and their sort of like lack of seriousness is that that's a you can totally understand that and that could carry them for months. I mean, it, the, I just think it's I just think it's a perfect feud. And and honestly, the biggest like the biggest problem that they have right now, I mean WWE has right now, because they're over. I mean, they it seems like they've sort of figured out Becky Lynch, and they've got this other all this other wildness going on. But like you said, if they if if the crowd gets a whiff of Fastlane just being just being like the appeasement pay per view, if if it's just we're giving you Kofi now because so we don't have to give you that match at WrestleMania, I mean we're gonna they're gonna revolt, and it's gonna be delicious to see Daniel Bryan on the other end of that. Not in a, I don't mean that in a negative way because he's gonna understand what's happening. You know, I mean it's gonna be it's there's gonna be a really great. Man, just just really interesting irony there, and we'll see what happens. And it, and it feels like with the whole of losing Roman Reigns, Dave, and losing that merch money and losing that guy they've tried so hard to get everybody to cheer for, when you naturally stumble into these situations where everybody wants to cheer for somebody, but have, you got to learn your lesson now. You got to go for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, and we, I've said it before, uh, it's no secret. Every time people used to say, why don't you break up the New Day? Why don't you do something else with the New Day? The answer was always because the New Day is making so much merch money that there's no reason that neither they nor Vince has any interest in cutting off that supply. What they've fallen into is a way to keep that money coming in and to also push a guy to the top of the card. And that'll that'll only that'll you know, that'll only sell more stuff, sell more T-shirts. The fact that they've found a way, I mean, they've it should have been obvious, but they've stumbled into a place where they can just not just keep the merch flow going for the new day, but to also just incre- increase it by having one of the guys be in the main event, all three of them be in the main event functionally. It's just incredible. Listen, I want to I want to keep going before you have to get out of here. The other I just mentioned her. The other thing that that has just been explosive on Raw and SmackDown all across WWE is the rise of Becky Lynch. Now we're kind of of all of this of all of the the wildness going into the WrestleMania uh, going into WrestleMania. It does seem like we're getting a little bit of clarity here that we're going to end up with some form of Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, Becky's currently suspended. <laughs> Um, but keeps pop keeps popping up and just destroying people, which is you know uh, interesting from a legalistic perspective. Um, and and then there was a there was before before I I, I ask you I and mean, before I let you go, there's a there's a an interesting thing that popped up. Um, I think this is this is from Meltzer that um that the you know the the raw ratings this week were as good as they've ever been but they sort of they sort of diminished over the course of the show which you could attribute to a lot of things but Meltzer's theory is you know people weren't watching raw because of NXT you know i mean i and i think that there's a lot of truth to that i think anybody that would have tuned in just for the NXT guys is probably tuning in anyway or anyone that would have been aware that the NXT guys were backstage was probably going to tune in anyway but they were they they were there was a lot of hype coming out of elimination chamber Everybody wanted to see what would happen with Rousey and Becky Lynch next. And then when it was clear that Becky wasn't going to be there, the, you know, people kind of tuned out over the course of the show a little bit. But, I mean, it, what's undeniable is that Becky Lynch is still just bringing the heat. There's nothing, I mean, WWE doesn't have anything else like her and hasn't for a long time. What is your, what is your, Becky, what, what is your take on Becky Lynch right now? And what do you, where do you think they should be going with her? Uh, right to the top with her. I mean, look, it, it, it's crazy because... From last year and all the great things that happened in the women's revolution, we started to say, okay, next year's mania is probably the year that they could do this. And when I say do this, I mean put women in the main event, 
and have it sell and have it make sense and have it matter. And, of course, we all looked at the idea of Charlotte Flair and Rousey. Rousey had the match of the night at last year's Mania. Charlotte had a classic against Asuka, ends the streak. You looked at that as happening. But it still would have been, if we're really being honest here, it still would have been, okay, we understand why it's happening, but I'm not really sure it's the perfect call. But, hey, these women are working hard. They deserve it. But then once Becky turned heel, and I know she might be a face again, but she's in that quasi area. But when she started going down the road that she did, and it just became organic, and it just became amazing, and it just became every time she opened her mouth, even in this overly scripted era, it was brilliant. It felt organic. It felt real. It felt pure. It felt everything we wanted. David instantly became, right around late November, December, that not only does this have to be, like, not only should this be the main event, it has to be because it's the best feud going, the best storyline, and the best performances. And I think the unsung hero in this is how much Charlotte has raised her game each time Rousey has, each time, I'm sorry, Becky has, because there was some moments, especially, of course, when Becky runs in and attacks Rousey and then gets her nose busted open, which is like her Austin 316 moment in hindsight. There's those moments mm-hmm. where even on my podcast, we're like, you know what? It's not Charlotte and Rousey. It's Becky and Rousey, and it needs to be one-on-one, and it needs to main event mania. And Charlotte, I got to give her credit, doing uh, really, uh, maybe you liked the 2016 run with, with Sasha better, but in terms of character work, the best run of her career, the best matches of her career, when some of these, you know, table, last women standing sort of using tables, some incredible matches that I didn't fully realize it until for the end of December at my podcast, Data Combat CBS, at our year-end awards, and you start to write a short list of, what well, you know, best matches so you can narrow it down and vote. And, uh-huh. like, literally four of the top five best WWE matches of the year involved women. And I was just like, I had not contemplated that. I knew I loved the Becky, uh, Ra- uh, Becky uh, Charlotte match. I knew I loved yeah. this. I knew I loved that. But when you start to add it together, it was insane. And, yes, again, so much of it is Becky in this, this quasi-Steve uh, Austin thing she's doing, in this fake McGregor thing she's doing, which is genius. So much of it is how great Rousey is in the ring and on pay-per-views. But so much of it is Charlotte raising her game to the point that you got to go triple threat now. It has to close the show at Mania. And Mm -hmm. if they let Becky go and maybe even give her some autonomy in the way her character is presented, let it be a little bit less scripted and let this Austin thing play out. Dave, this is not like women forced on your throat, but hey, man, they're working really hard. This is like, like I said, the best thing going in all of WWE. And I think Becky really has been the last six, seven months. So my fear now and it's always my fear when Vince gets involved is that there's going to be some overcooking, overbooking. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now, but it has not been enough to ruin it. I think we end up seeing this triple threat. And I hope, like we said, that, that they were on this run the last few weeks where Becky was opening every show, Raw and SmackDown. And yeah. uh, the fan in me, not the journalist in me who's got my critical take ready, the fan in me is just doing backflips. I'm getting the feels, brother. I mean, this is so... I can't even compare it to a male burst. It's almost, you know, CM Punk 10 years ago, like it's almost mm-hmm. maybe when the shield first got there, or maybe the beginning of the Daniel Bryan run where it's been this organically amazing, where I have to see what happens next. And the crazy thing is, Dave, I want to hear your opinion. When she turned at, at SummerSlam, did you feel like we could even get close to this? Like, I didn't <laughs> even think this was remotely possible that on the microphone and just her facial that she could be in this much control of her character and take what already was a really good goody, goody two-shoes character and, like, triple how great she is. Yeah. I mean, I always thought, 
you know, you can go back in the 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 cheap heat archives and find me saying that this is when you know when when the the NX the first NXT crew got called up when when Charlotte and Becky and, and Sasha got called up. I said, you know, I I I was sort of ranking them or whatever, and and said that Becky's going to be. I think I compared her to Daniel Bryan and said she's going to be the real test case for this new era of women's wrestling because she's got all the ability to be a star, but what, but whether or not they give her the the air to be a star, the breathing room to be a star, is going to say a lot about how much time and seriousness they're giving this division. And it took a while, but we finally got there. I, I, at, at SummerSlam, to answer your question, I mean, I, I said it. I thought they dropped the ball. I thought that going going hard heel turn was just the wrong move for her. And I talked to somebody talked to somebody at WWE and he was like, no, 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 we got a plan. And I was like, okay, you know, like you're, you're right. I mean, sometimes you're right, you know, we'll get, and then, you know, I was texting him when, when the, when the, when Becky mania really happened, when everybody was just going absolutely apeshit over a few months later, I texted him and I was like, you were right, man, you were right. And, and, uh, they figured it out. Um, I, but it's, it's all on her, you know, I mean, it's, she was put in a position to succeed, but that was in, I mean, the way that, that she's done it is incredible. And, and listen, I get the, the, you know, fans having a negative reaction to Charlotte being inserted, sort of like in the sense that it that it takes away a little bit of the gusto of Becky winning this big singles match against Ronda Rousey if that's what's going to happen in the main event at WrestleMania. But I mean, honestly, I, I like I think that this is the right decision for everything, every reason that you said. Charlotte's they need Charlotte on the mic. I said last week. I think if if there is if there are lingering questions about how long Rousey's going to be in WWE, you know, for at least on this run, they need two people in that match that are going to be there the next night or in the ne- the next month because we don't want people turning on Rousey. We don't need people turning on Rousey in the cheap way. You know, we want people turning on Rousey because Becky's won them over. No matter, you know, that, that everyone's going to be there to continue the feud or at least two of them will be there to continue the feud for months. And listen, Charlotte has become when you were talking about Charlotte, I I was thinking about your favorite wrestler, Bret Hart, because he was re- as great as he was. He was great night in and night out, match of the year candidates all over the place. But it took the right opponent for him to really get to get to ten. You know, it took the right it took the right storyline for him to get to ten, and uh, and that's what you think you're seeing with Charlotte right now. She's really taking as and again as much as people complain about Triple H and Stephanie and Vince being involved in this angle. Uh, and that's not everybody. Some people are complaining. I choose to see it as a vote of confidence in everything that's happening, but. It's Charlotte is really taking on the Vince McMahon role in this, right? I mean, Charlotte is taking on the institutional, uh, the in, the institutional position, seat of power role, and she's she's doing, like you said, she's doing really, really great. And I will say, it's totally as an aside, but as long as we're going to keep comparing this to, to Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon, can you imagine how much we would shit on Steve Steve Austin driving a Zamboni if we were doing podcasts every week during the Attitude Era? <laughs> If we tried to reconstruct, if we tried to read logic into every Mr. McMahon, Stone Cold Steve Austin interaction, we would be, could we, we would just be screaming about how tired we were. It's like, they opened and closed the show again. Like, give us some wrestling, guys. Come on. Oh, we got another, we got another, we got a four-wheeler out there now? Come on. I mean, listen, it was a great time in history. As long as they get to the right moment, uh, it will have all been worth it. Yeah, and I don't think people were that mad about Charlotte joining this match as they were about Vince joining, I think that's my take on it, because uh, all three of those women were performing so well in the build to this story that I didn't think you needed the Vince element and angle, because, you know, the women were doing so well on their own, but having Charlotte in there does not allow Ronda to live and die in the microphone anymore, so that's great, and then, like you said, if Ronda goes away, 
I think you let Charlotte take the fall here in, in however this pin or submission is going to happen in this match. Because look, I think people will riot unless Becky's the last, you know, winning. Unless when, when WrestleMania goes off the air, Becky needs to be winning with a championship belt around her waist that mania. But I think if you preserve Rousey's unbeatenness for the fact that when she eventually does come back, you can really serve all masters here. I mean, it's sort of. I mean, do you think this is the? Do you think this is the main event? Like the last match that goes on at WrestleMania? There's a lot of word, There's a lot of talk that they're not. They haven't decided yet, or they don't know yet. But yeah, I was going to say, I think it will be. I don't. I'm not guaranteed it is now. I mean, Vince loves him some some Brock Lesnar, and, and believe me, this Seth Rollins Brock Lesnar feud, I think, is only going to get better in the build from here on out. And it's certainly a big deal, especially if their plans are to put Seth over, because just as equally, you can imagine, you know, them going off the air with Seth playing that championship belt, or going off the air with Roman Reigns running in to help him, or you know, Roman running in to help him and then turning heel, or, Ro- or Roman running in and Seth turning heel. There's a lot of things that can happen there with that are like, oh crap, that does have to close the show. But I just feel like the momentum they're on and the fact that the tr- those triumvirate of women are overperforming so well that when it comes down to a game-time decision, they're going to push the women. But it's going to be up to Becky to fight for her spot creatively and have viral moments on the bill for that match. Like, I think they really have more story to tell, and it can't just be the same thing with her running in with the knee brace style. we got, we got to have more layers. Yeah, I, I mean, my, my feeling is that it's is that the added value to putting them on last, it, it, I mean, if, the, if, you, if you put on Lesnar-Rollins last, it's it's you know five percent ten percent bigger a bigger feel than it would have been if it goes on second to last. If you put on the women's match last, it kind of doubles the the hype. You know, it it becomes it creates the moment that they're in search of right now in a way that the other it's putting it the other way wouldn't. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that as long as we keep going the same direction, that's what we're going to see. I mean, it's it's just it's it's definitely it's definitely trending in a direction of that being the main event and. Um, you know, I think they'll be <clears throat> in the absence of, you know, The Rock or somebody like that. I think that there's there's not a clear cut main event match. And uh, I mean, coming out of somewhere else, you know, we're t- if we're just talking about those two, it might be a game time decision. But I think it's going to be I think it's going to be the Raw Women's I will Championship say though, match. Dave, I just mentioned Roman Reigns' name. If he's closer to coming back than we realize, and we know we all popped when we saw the picture that The Rock put out for that movie they were filming. Let's say Roman's like able to start wrestling again. I have no idea, right? And I'm not trying to undermine his, you know, what he's fighting through or anything. But I'm saying, let's say he can come back in like May and start wrestling. They're going to close the show with some Roman involvement in that Seth Brock thing, and we're all going to understand at that point. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think that what one of the, you know, the one of the difficult things from a if you put yourself in a pro in the in the shoes of the, or the tights of a wrestler. Um, if if I mean I haven't heard anything about Roman. If he's if he's if he's doing well, you know it's he's not. I mean he he could still be six months off or something like that. But it it, it could be relatively close. And I think you see the same thing with Triple H. I mean he's obviously not not out. He's out there without an arm brace or anything like that. It's got to be frustrating for them if they're like you know going to be out just a month after WrestleMania. But I think that if it's that close, they'll find a way to to make use of both of those guys. Um, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe the thing to do is to let everybody have their moment and, and you know, let people come in when they're really ready to go. True. True. I, I, I'm, I'm with you about I'm with you on on uh, on on Ron's and Lesnar, too. I, I think that it's been a sort of slow build. I mean, slow burn, but it, but a, but a, but a, a solid build. How are you sold on Seth Rollins as the face of the company or are you do you think it's just 
you know, in that with with so much else, what craziness going on, he's the sort of safe bet. Uh, what, what do you what do you think the what do you think that WWE's you know position on Rollins? What do you how much stock do they have in Seth Rollins right now? I think it's contingent upon how soon Reigns can come back because I'd like to believe for how great he has been as a babyface member in the beginning. We were like, well. He's, he's okay as a babyface, but he's not even touching 2015 heel Rollins, which was true. I think, you know, he obviously turned that around with that run he went on last year of every match being like four and a half stars on Raw every week and just going through that incredible run. I don't have the confidence, though, that they are, they are going to put the title on him alone and have him carry the company the rest of the year as a babyface if Reigns isn't coming back. Because I think, look, WWE has relied on part-timers and legends a lot. Uh, even on even as they built Roman Reigns the last few years, they've relied on, on part-timers and legends to build him up. But what we haven't had is what we deserve, which is this generation's Rock Austin feud. And to me, Reigns-Rollins is that without question. And we deserve a solo Reigns-Rollins uh, WrestleMania main event and a one, two-year feud and the kind that you revisit multiple times. I mean, there's already been an amazing history coming together as the Shield, breaking up, Rollins being the champion, separate, all that stuff. So if Reigns can come back, relatively soon, and this doesn't look like a, you know, a major catastrophe that threatened his life or the rest of his career, obviously. I'm, not, again, not trying to underplay what he's fighting through here. I think there's a bigger bet that you see Rollins win and beat Lesnar clean and walk away with the title because then you set in motion, whether they start as friends or one turns on the other, uh, you know, the night of WrestleMania. Who knows? You can have this, this generation's rock and awesome. You can also have this generation's mega powers explode angle. It's about time, uh, Dave, that two stars in their absolute prime who already have such a great story built can play out their own, you know, defining run in this era. It's time for that. These are the two guys for that. So no, I don't think WWE pushes Seth alone. I think it has to be congruent with a few with, with Reigns, and I think it'll be out fire. Yeah, I really like that idea. It's a really good way of looking at it. Now, I'm going to bring this full circle, and then I'll let you get out of here. I think that it's a little, I have a little bit of hesitation when it comes to fantasy booking a year out or even, you know, a few months out at this point, just because of how just the week that we've just been through in WWE, uh, who knows? I mean, for all we know, we're, you know, for all we know, Johnny Gargano is going to be main eventing WrestleMania next year. I mean, I find that a little bit hard to believe, but I wouldn't have imagined him, you know, beating the tag team champions on raw either. Um, a week ago, what do you, one thing that I really liked and you, you know, we're comparing this to AEW to, to compare, you know, all of the the other sorts of wrestling out there, New Japan, the things that we love. One thing that I feel like I always see when I'm watching non-WWE content, and this is a broad generalization, but when I'm watching indie wrestling, watching all these, watching other semi-majors, whatever, is that it feels like they have the best talent available to them on the show, on these big show, on every big show, and they're in different combinations, and sometimes they're in weird tag team matches, and sometimes, you know, this is whole goes for NXT too a lot of the time. Uh, but it feels like we have all the, we're, like we're getting all the talent that we that we paid to see, and they're all in just sort of interesting t- combinations. And as weird as it was for these NXT guys to show up, man, I mean, like Ricochet, Alistair Black, I mean, these guys look like they belong there, and it was just cool to see them doing whatever they were doing, even if it was just sort of random storytelling wise. Uh, what, what's your what's your take on the on the four guys that got called up, and uh, and you know if you want to bring in the last round of NXT call ups too with. Um, you know, with with heavy machinery and Lacey Evans, who's apparently in, in line for a big big push post WrestleMania. Um, where where do you where do you what what do you think the upside is for those dudes and uh, and ladies and uh, and and what do you where, where do you think we're going to go with that? Uh, the upside's massively huge. I think that last round, you know, hit the curve when 
why Sullivan wasn't involved, involved in it because it, 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 it appeared all the dirt sheets were saying he was going to have a, a Cena mania run to get him over. Mm-hmm. So that would have been obviously huge. But this next round, and again, we don't know if these guys are staying. We don't know. I mean, look, again, I want to, uh, Wednesday night, when they made that announcement, which wasn't much of an announcement, it was just the Dusty Classic is coming back, and that's great, but <laughs> I really thought we were getting NXT is an equal third brand announcement. And I was talking myself into the idea that we were getting NXT will run on Tuesday nights on FS1 starting at the end of the year, and, it, and wrestlers can bounce back and forth. You know, they can get, they can, you can have a redraft, and people can end up on, you know, Kevin Ziegler on NXT. You know, I was, I was all down that road, and obviously people that listen to my show know that, uh, I said, if they don't go that way and they, and they, and they let me down, I'm going to be a sad boy. And, and I was, but, um, pushing the people they did is promising, uh, on the main roster. And look, I don't think you have to look too far to realize that Alistair Black, Ricochet, and, and really, especially Bill of the Team Dream. I mean, I feel like they could lead Ron SmackDown now, tomorrow, and yeah. maybe they end up, you know, maybe the couple of those will, um, as long as this isn't some ploy for ratings, as long as this isn't Vince looking down and saying, oh, well, those guys seem pretty popular. Let's see how they do on raw. Um, this is look. The future is obviously bright. WWE has it has a has a, a sad gluttony of talent, and that's why mm-hmm. the fan in me can get sour because I know how great they can be. And I watch NXT or NJPW the last two years and see these shows overachieve. And you come in thinking they could be a nine, and they come out being a twenty-seven. Right? Can we have that happen mm-hmm. in WWE? We have the talent here. We have the talent in NXT. It comes down to Vince. It comes down to how you write it and how you do it. But. Um, I'm a little perplexed where we're going with uh, with Champa and Gargano because Triple H had laid it out so perfectly. And while originally I thought you were going to play that out at this year's main uh, main uh, WrestleMania Takeover show, and Babyface Champa would finally go over. Uh, um, I'm sorry, Babyface Gargano would finally go over Champa clean and have his Dan O'Brien moment. It's great. They threw me a curveball by bringing them back together as heels. I hope we're still going down that road because I was very confused on how they were presented on Monday and Tuesday night. And I don't know if Monday and Tuesday night again were a a, just a shot in the dark to check out the ratings, to check out whether the regular fans could, could become aware of these guys. But um, were you as fooled as I was, Dave, heading into this Wednesday announcement that it could be game-changing? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it really felt like they announced the announcement without knowing what it was going to be. You know, I mean, they and they or at least they had Dusty the Dusty Classic in their back pocket, and they, there might have been something else that, get, that didn't quite make the cut, or, they, you know, they changed their mind on it at the last minute. You know, I mean, an interesting thing to me would be when they when we have this sort of network split and to go along with the brand split as if they, you know, if they divvied up, if they, you know, put NXT on Fox or something and just, they what I mean, what they have to do now, I mean, they don't have to. I would love to see them rebrand 205 Live and just get rid of the silly weight limit thing. I mean, we, at this point, it's like we pushed, we, we were like way past, you know, like just any sort of reasonable, like comprehension of what weight classes are when you have, Chomping Gargano out there against the bar. I mean, it, it's 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 just sort of it's meaningless, and I and I don't mind it. I mean, I I was I, I'm you know an old school wrestling fan that that does you know that you'll hear me say that guy's too small to do whatever. But like Monday and Tuesday night, I mean, felt really good to me having those guys on there. I think you rebrand Two Hundred Five Live. Let it be another NXT. Let it be a fourth brand. Let that or let either it's the one step below developmental or it's just. Even it can be what it is now. It can be a different brand of wrestling, but let's just not have it be like some, you know, ghettoized weight class thing. Yeah. Put one of give put one of those on NBC. Put one of those. Put the other one on Fox, and let there be like a second brand for every show too. And then you can get some you know even more competition because you got to find spaces for all this talent, like you were saying. Um, and you know, bring, pulling guys back and forth. And I think that the big key is going the other direction too, is to let you know 
guys do rehab stints in NXT or to, to, or to have, you know, just spend, a, spend a, a taping session down there to put somebody over or to just, you know, just get your, get your arm back for like triple A or something, you know, when you're coming back, I, I think that there's, Already, there's a hey, lot maybe of you're burnout. Maybe you miss yeah. your family and you're burnt out doing the house show tour. Hey, go for six months in NXT and, and put over our young guys. Or maybe evolve. Maybe NXT becomes a TV show, you know, on, on FS1, and then Evolve jumps up and becomes the new performance center, you know, AAA exactly. brand. I don't know. They got to do something, though. They got to do something. Because, Dave, I cannot live another day knowing that the best wrestling in the world is WWE's JV team. I can't do that yeah. anymore. Yeah, no, and it's it's sort of I, I had I had talked myself into believing the guy that Chomp and Gargano were the two guys who just were never going anywhere. That they were just going to be NXT forever, and they were and and in some and their their existence sort of kept it from feeling like the JV team, you know, because they were they're world class wrestlers. If there's a re, but but they're you know they're just sort of if they were just the institutions of that show, uh, then that it brings a lot of legitimacy there. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they stick around in NXT if they if they're still pulling double duty. Maybe that part will be short lived. I mean, it's it's pretty cool to think of all the possibilities. I hope that they I hope that they have some rules about you know jumping between shows only so it makes it makes it more exciting and monumental when those rules are broken. Um, but as it stands right now, this craziness, whatever is happening right now, is is enough to keep me excited because um, you know the slow waltz toward WrestleMania. Uh, if if all we had to figure out is who Daniel Bryan was or who Oscar was facing or something is you know that it, it would have felt like a long two months. But right now, I'm just excited to see where everything's going to go. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. All right, I, I'm losing this room. I just want to say, if the cheap seat universe is a, is akin to the Four Horsemen, can I can I be Barry Windham, please? You can be Arn. Peter can be Flair. <laughs> uh, you know, Tully is the stack guy. Uh, maybe Dip is JJ Dillon. Can I be Barry, please? You can definitely be Barry. I'll let you have that. Uh, usually, you know, th- I, I, growing up, I always got to be the tall guy in any faction. But you know, you've you've, you've definitely got that that Barry Windham physique. So uh, I'm in his prime. I mean, WWE era Barry Windham physique. Uh, so you know, I'll, I'll give that to you right now. Um, listen, man, I, I, I love it. I'm with. I, I, I had no. I'm talking about the the U.S. Express Barry Windham when he was like, you know, oh, bigger yeah. arms, bigger pecs. That whole the, the peak Barry Windham. Not. Uh, but anyway, I kept you on way longer than I said I would. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, it's always fun to talk shop with you, and uh, good luck, man. Do you want to you want to plug before you go? Yeah, check out my uh, State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports. Hey, we got a new episode every week in boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. We'll keep you satiated in the combat field. Dave, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, man. I'll talk to you soon. That was the one and only. Brian Campbell, uh, thank him. Thanks, Brian, so much for coming on, man. He's always a pleasure to talk to. Man, it's a wild week. Did you did you get to watch this week, Jim? Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was pretty nuts. What what do you have any do you have any hot takes on like Ricochet or Alistair Black? You want to share with the audience? Well, one, I uh, I think I said this before, but I think uh, Brian Campbell should be Alistair Black for Halloween. I think he can pull that <laughs> off. He probably could. <laughs> Wait, I I could be I could be Alistair Black for Halloween because I've got the beard now. And Alistair Black's hair, when yeah, he has it back in a ponytail. Champa. Oh, that's true. I was going to say Alistair Black's hair, you could basically just glue on the top of my head. <laughs> like a Harry Krishna? Yeah, exactly. I started Photoshopping, actually, something for you and Brian for this. You two like <laughs> am I, that? Am I Champa in this picture? Oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. My beard is out of control right now, by the way, so it, I, might, I could just tease it out and send you a photo. I, will, that, I can send out. this to you right now. It's still <laughs> rough, but I think you're going to think this is funny. Hold on. All right. All right. Here it comes. This is an exciting moment. 
Mm. Oh man, that is actually kind of what my beard looks like. It's really it's, it's <laughs> unsettling. You look um, good. I gotta find a better thing for Brian. That's really impressive. Quick before we go, did you see uh, this article about Chris Hemsworth oh, no. playing Hulk Hogan? Oh yeah, I I did. I, you know, I saw that it was happening. I saw a couple of the tweets about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Wait, you're talking about this Hollywood Reporter piece? Yeah. Okay, this is good. I want to read through this because this is uh, okay. The headline: Chris Hemsworth to play Hulk Hogan in biopic directed by Todd Phillips, exclusive to the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, let's just read through this article. Let's see. Let's let me. If you, if you have anything to say, just jump right in. Okay. Time to eat your vitamins and say your prayers. Which, by the way, that's backwards. The copy desk over there is just okay. Come on, Hollywood Reporter. Hulkamania is gonna run wild. Chris Hemsworth is set to portray wrestling superstar Hulk Hogan in a biopic that reunites Todd Phillips with Scott Silver, the respective director and writer of the upcoming DC Comics movie The Joker. Which, by the way, that Joker movie looks so weird. Like, I just don't, I just don't understand what it's gonna be. I'm very excited for it because I'm all about comic book movies, as people know, and I'm all about just taking different takes, different tactics, different looks at the comic book universe. But wow, this one is, I'm not quite sure how I feel about the Joker being the WrestleMania headliner of the DC movie universe. It's a very, it's a weird one. But you love all reboots is what you're saying. Yeah, never, never stop rebooting. That's my motto. (laughs) Exactly. Let's see. Deals for the Hogan Project are in the midst of closing with Netflix. It's going to be a Netflix movie. That's great. We're all going to be able to see it on the same day and tweet about it and all that stuff. They go through all the producers here. The producers include Michael Sugar, who who uh, produced Spotlight, Phillips, and, and Bradley Cooper, uh, who have a who have a a, a, produ- a production company together. Also producing will be Hemsworth and Eric Bischoff. Interesting. Eric Bischoff produces lots of stuff. I hope that everybody knows that. I assume they do. I assume, I assume he plugs that in his podcast a lot, but I don't really listen to it that much. Um, well, but yeah, him and Jason produce, Hervey though? have been doing stuff oh, yeah. forever. Yeah, they did like a what a Scott Bale reality show. Scott Bayo is 40 or something? They did they it was yeah, they did that Scott Bayo reality show. They did um let me see what else is on here. They did there was some other big stuff. Oh, they do, they're doing kid shows. They did they did uh Sea Dad Run, which I think is like a Nick show or one of those things and mm. Hardcore Pawn. Whoa. Like he's got uh, there, there's there's a bunch of different stuff. Um he's been exec producer on some, you know, some 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 real crap. Some real crap. Yeah. So that's, but that's sort of wild that he's involved. I'm sure he's the, you know, the bridge, uh, the Bolea verse in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, back to the article. One of the biggest names in wrestling of all time, Hogan was a fixture on TV sets in the 1980s and 1980s America as part of the World Wrestling Federation, who subsequently parlayed his championship winning leg drops and star power into forays into movies and television endorsements and video games. Speaking of endorsements, one of my favorite Hulk Hogan lies of all time is that he was supposed to do, he 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 got first dibs on being the, the face of the George Foreman grill when they just had the product and not a spokesman. Right. And he turned it down. And then that's why afterwards he got like the Hulk Hogan milkshake maker or something. There was a, <laughs> there was like, there he did have a, a brief uh, made for TV uh, gambit, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the part about him getting first dibs on the George Foreman grill and turning it down, it might be fake news. Yeah. Born Terry Jean Bollea, that part is true. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. I'm just kidding, they do. Uh, Hogan began his career in the late 1970s in the Florida wrestling circuit, and when he started in the WWF, he frequently squared off against Andre the Giant as a villainous fighter. When Vince McMahon took over the company and began expanding it into a national presence, Hogan was its face, and by then a hero persona. By the end of the 80s, he was one of 
the me decades key personalities. And that's what I think the movie's going to be about from what I've heard. Gracing magazine covers, appearing on talk shows, and even headlining a Saturday morning cartoon. Well, it's just about the 80s. About yeah, it's just about the, the heyday. Thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that part of it's really interesting. Uh, let's go on. In the 21st century, however, Hogan's fortunes were seesawing as personal conflicts overtook those inside the ring. Most notably, he was embroiled in the sex tape scandal with the wife of a friend and radio personality, Buffa the Love Sponge, including a years-long lawsuit that precipitated the end of Gawker.com and led to Hogan receiving tens of million dollars in a settlement. The biopic will not delve into those years. That's a big, the word however is missing, I think, in all, in all bold. The biopic will not delve into those years or attempt to encompass Hogan's entire life. Instead, sources say, it will focus on his rise and is described as an origin story of the Hulkster and Hulkamania. The deal, which took months to put together, will include life rights with Bollea acting as a consultant on the movie, as well as executive producer. Also, executive producing will be, okay, this doesn't even matter. Um, <laughs> this is just like the industry Hollywood Reporter stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's it. I think that it's sort of wild. And I know we're in this wrestling bubble. It's sort of wild that we're like, that we're, that we're already sweeping like the, inward stuff under the rug. And I'm not saying it's you can't do a Hulk Hogan project. I think you should do a Hulk Hogan project. I was involved in a project that he was involved in. But it's weird that this doesn't even mention that until, what, three quarters of the way through the article and doesn't mention and doesn't mention the inward tape at all. Right. Which, by the way, I know we've said, I must have said this out well, loud. Well, they say sex tape scandal. And that was connected. But the sex tape scandal, the whole, the whole Gawker lawsuit was about the inward thing. Yeah. He, you know, they acted like it was about the sex tape. But the reason why Hogan was so litigious was because he knew that they, that must mean they had the other tape. Right. I don't know, man. I'm excited for this. I like Todd Phillips. I like him on this more than I like him, the idea of him on the Joker because it's going to necessarily just be so weird and so interesting. Uh, I think that Chris Hemsworth is just a freaking hilarious and perfect person to cast. I want to see Chris Hemsworth's hair recede over the span over the course of the movie <laughs> and maybe because they're just going to focus on the 80s maybe that means there's they call it a you know an origin story maybe that means there'll be sequels who knows who knows Hulk Hogan is awesome he's an awesome subject I should say just despite the uh everything that's happened in the past couple of years he's he really is an interesting subject yeah this is it's it is just sort of wild what what, what, what was your take what have people been saying about this thing some people I saw online weren't too happy but um I'm curious, does it say when they're going to start filming? No, it doesn't. Yeah, so it doesn't say any of that. I wouldn't be surprised if this gets nixed, honestly. You don't think it's going to happen? <sighs> or not for a while. Yeah, I mean, too everybody's soon, working on other man. stuff right now. Too soon. Maybe by the time they get... I mean, listen, Netflix is in because Netflix, I'm sure, has the algorithm to say this is going to do well, right? I mean, this is... they. Yeah. They know that they can get a little. They want to get in that that wrestling market, and I mean they're already in it with Glow. I mean they they know that they know that this can really work on a very specific level. So I don't know, man. If this is a kind of Glow sort of thing, it could be really fun. Are they going to have a character in it based on you? I don't know why they would, but I'd be pencil happy neck to sign geek up. in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to sign over my life rights uh, for the right for the right dollar figure. Who would play and let you? me tell you that dollar figure is really really uh, really small. Um, what does it have to be like a young me? Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Do you have a joke ready? Do you have, do you <laughs> no, have something queued no, up for this? No. Uh, I wish I did. It's um, weird because I think of insults for you 24 hours What about like Jim Parsons from the Big Bang Theory with a shaved head? <laughs> That's hilarious. 
<laughs> bald cap. Yeah, not even a shaved head. No, like swim just an cap obvious, painted like a swim bunk. cap and glasses, and that's it. We're just gonna put him out there. Yeah, and um, painted on goatee. Uh, that could be really great. Mm-hmm. That, that's that, that's officially my vote. Um, well, anyway, I'm. We got to talk. I mean, we had to talk about it. We had to mention it. We'll see how this goes. We'll track the Hulk Hogan story, and and I think that you know, I mean, I think that he's he's a worthy subject. You know, I got one more question for you. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw Hulk Hogan live? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Where? Like in person fight. Uh, I saw him wrestle live twice as a kid. The first time was at the Louisville Gardens in Louisville, Kentucky. He fought. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not I'm not wrong about this. He it, I'm pretty sure this was the right show. My dad took me. There was two dads there, two or three kids my age. My dad took me to go see Hulk Hogan fight Killer Khan. But it wasn't weirdly Rosenberg was saw the same say saw the same card on another yeah, on another like on leg on another show the right, right, on the right. tour yeah but for some reason they had Hogan versus Killer Khan as the as the Hogan match but it wasn't the main event it was the intermission match um, we were joking at the time like the dads were like you know Hogan's got to catch a flight you know or something you know like because it, it really didn't make any sense and Killer Khan was like pretty cool I at that point had no idea he was like the guy that broke Andre's ankle and like you know I didn't really know the backstory I just knew he was this like you know, right. foreign menace who like looked scary as hell. Right. But yeah, it was it was Hogan versus Killer Khan, and that was that was really. Uh, what year was that? that I'm man, right I have no idea. I had no idea. I was probably in. I'm looking at there's a couple, fourth grade, like fifth. Was it? I mean, so, yeah. So it was, I was probably it was like eighty seven. Yeah, I saw um, Hogan fight Big Boss Man in a cage at Madison Square Garden, eighty nine. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And that fight is somewhere on like Daily Motion or one of those websites. You can find that video somewhere. It's not on YouTube, but they have it because like MSG used to have like the house shows as yeah, they filmed like everything. special little shows. Yeah, yeah, so it was cool. That was like for the uh, the video releases and stuff, right? Yeah, I should have come up with a lie. That would have been the most Hulk Hogan thing to do. Just to be like, I saw Hulk Hogan wrestle. It was Hulk Hogan versus elvis presley in a steel cage match in memphis in uh 1975 <laughs> yeah. yeah it was really cool now the first time i saw hulk hogan in real life was when we interviewed him on cheap heat at grantland yeah in the grantland studios at la live right there by staples center mm-hmm. and i remember it was like early in the morning rosenberg and i were like in the studio waiting for him and we and i don't think i don't think he was like particularly late or anything but we were like you know just waiting and waiting and at the last minute i was like they were like, okay, he's pulling in or like, he, you know, he's coming up to security. And I was like, I got to go to the bathroom. Like, I'm just like, I'd been just waiting for too long. I'm not going to make it to the interview. So I ran, just sprinted down the hall to take a, to take a leak. And I just run in and Hogan is in the bathroom, sort of like fixing his hair. <laughs> his wig? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the details of what's going his on there. Bandana wig, or whatever? yes, he had his bandana on, and he was sort of teasing out the 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 bottom part. Red, red and yellow, or black and white Hogan? Oh, black and uh, this was when he this yeah this is black and white. I mean, he wasn't like NWO Hollywood Hogan, but he was he. This is in the era the the same as the current era where he just kind of wears the black bandana everywhere, mm-hmm. and uh, and I walked in, and it was so awkward because I was like, if he sees me, I have to say hi. You know, but like I was sort of at that point, I had to walk behind him. And I was like, I hope that this is a weird place to make your first hello. Because if he saw me, then he was going to see me in five minutes. Right. So I couldn't just be like, just ignore him. And he's like, aren't you the creep from the bathroom? Yeah. So I snuck past him 
Thankfully, he was so enraptured in the mirror that I didn't uh, <laughs> didn't have to say anything. And then I, I ran out. I, w- I waited for him to leave. And then I ran in behind him. And I was like, you know, hey, Hulk Hogan, you're my favorite wrestler of all time. Mm. And such a good person. Times were different back then. Uh, you should have grabbed anyway, his bandana wig no. and ran out. And then when he came into the <laughs> studio, you were wearing it. That would have been a good way to kick off the interview. <laughs> or just come in and been like, I just beat up a guy who stole this. <laughs> That had been a good way to ingratiate myself. Um, Hogan's great there. I remember. I remember after that interview, Rosenberg and I were just like, we just conducted the best Hulk Hogan interview of all time. We got some stuff out of him that no one's ever gotten. <laughs> that was incredible. And then like we listened to another show that he like he like went on ESPN later that day or something and said the exact same like half of the stuff was like the same stuff he right. said to us. Yeah. And we were just like, God damn. And the pod uh, wasn't anyway. posted yet, so yeah, <laughs> right. That was awesome. Uh, I look forward to this Hulk Hogan thing. It's going to be a weird one. Um, did you enjoy Dean Ambrose's match this week? Um, yeah. Anyway, apologies to Dean Ambrose. It's a tough loss. I hope he's not gone. He's going to be gone. Anyway, apologies to Dean Ambrose uh, for not mentioning him sooner. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 